Fish and Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor and Trish McGregor and our tech magician, John Posey. The Mystical Underground is a place where the weird and the wonderful flourish, where ideas that are contrary to mainstream materialistic science are explored and the mundane everyday world takes a back seat. You can go to our website, phenomena111.com <laughs> to find out about our nonfiction books, including the most recent one, Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. And you can go visit uh, blog.synchrosecrets.com where we make regular posts. Our guest today is Alexis Brooks, a best-selling author, international speaker, and award-winning broadcast journalist. She hosts Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. She's also got quite a resume, so let me just touch on some of this. She's been in broadcast journalism since 1986 in the Boston market. Alexis was pursuing a track that would lead, was simultaneously pursuing a track that would lead to an intensive study of metaphysical, spiritual, and conscious related subjects, areas of inquiry that stem from her own extraordinary encounters that began as a child. In 2002, shortly after 9-11, she authored two widely read articles in Spirit of Change magazine and ofspirit.com on the metaphysical implication of 9-11. As a result, she was contacted by psychic Yuri Geller and was interviewed on his radio program in the UK. Since then, she has become recognized for her work within the field of ufology, with an emphasis on the ET experiencer aspect, as well as a spectrum of subjects within the metaphysical and transformation genre. She also lends her voice as a professional narrator and voiceover artist for audiobooks that include the narration for our latest book, Phenomena. Her website is www.higherjourneys.com. Yay, Alexis, you're here. Welcome. Yay, Trish and Rob. I'm so excited. Always fun to talk to friends. Always fun. I just have to remember to keep my mouth shut and not ask you questions like I normally do. Okay, tell us, how long have you been doing Higher Journeys? And what oh, got you started on that? You know, I'm glad you asked that. You kind of gave me a little heads up. This is what I'm going to be asking you, Alexis. So I had to think, you know, it's it, I can't believe how long it's been, uh, Trish and Rob. I started uh, first as Conscious Inquiry with Alexis Brooks when I was working in conjunction with a website called uh, Conscious Life News back in 2012. Uh, and I, I'll never forget my first show launched. I believe it was in May of 2012. Uh, I stayed with them for a while and, and uh, concurrently did some writing for, for CLN, very, very well-known uh, um, uh, consciousness blog, I guess you would call it. And then in 2014, I want to say the end of 2014, it morphed into Higher Journeys, first Higher Journeys Radio with Alexis Brooks, and then invariably Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. I dropped the radio because I was starting to add in some on-location uh, guest, uh, my show is uh, guest-based, long form like yours, mm -hmm. and was doing a good bit of filming on site back when we could travel. 
God only knows oh, when that's gee, when was that? <laughs> right. Seems so long ago. But that was sort of the impetus for my dropping the radio and making it more uh, of a, a video as well as audio experience. So it's been a bit of a trek. But, but the interesting <laughs> thing is Higher Journeys, that name, guys, um, came to me in 2011. And I'm not going to go into the whole story, but it was sort of a, a little bit of a download when I had been playing with the idea of starting a blog. I had no idea how to do it. I think it was a Google blog with this blog spot. That's where we started too, Google. yeah. Right. <clears throat> and I'm sitting on my couch in this very same room that I'm in right now, and I heard it's higher journeys. And by the end of the day, I had done the research on, you know, uh, bl- how to start a blog 101, uh, decided what my first post would be, and by the end of the day, higherjourneys.blogspot.com was born. And then I just went from there. Oh, <laughs> wow. Never back. And now you have a new podcast coming, right? Conscious uh, commentary in the garden. Conscious commentary in the garden. Well, so going along this trajectory, we had Conscious Inquiry, Higher Journeys Radio, Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. And then I decided to pepper in uh, what I call conscious commentary is, as it says, it's really me just musing about the things that are on my mind and often that are on my audience's mind without the guest. You know, mm-hmm. it's the guest, yeah. I like the focus to be on the guest, although I think my style is a bit more conversational even with guests. But conscious commentary was really designed for me to to address questions that people had and muse about uh, various things. Now, but it's your garden right around your house. Well, that, that was this was the next iteration. So conscious commentary has been around for a while. And then this year, guys, I I'm an avid gardener, I've been doing it for about 20 years. I have a lovely property. I'm so blessed. In my parents' home, about an eight, close to an acre, I have 10 gardens and growing. Yes, it's a lot. And I thought, it's so beautiful. And so many people are, what are they doing now? Because they're not leaving their homes still. They're gardening. And I can attest mm-hmm. to that because when I went to buy my supplies this year, all the, all of the, the garden shops are sold out. And they're like, everyone <laughs> wants to garden now. Well, yeah. you know, I I had a bit of an epiphany. I said, I've got this beautiful space that I'm still developing. Why not change the setting? Use nature as the impetus to talk about these uh, these areas of consciousness that we so love so dearly. I've always said I feel that nature is more than a metaphor. It's a mirror mm-hmm. uh, of us. And so using that as sort of a, a jumping off point, I figured that would be a great setting to show off my garden for a few minutes, and then we'll get into the subject of the day. So that kicked off last Friday. And oh, I'm okay, cool. doing oh, nice. really, really excited. So here's how it's going to go. Every other week, I'll do conscious commentary in the garden. And then alternate weeks, I'm doing my first conscious commentary live. And that oh, was, okay. uh, well, let's see, conscious commentary in the garden started a week ago, Friday. And then my first conscious commentary live was Friday, this Friday. Oh, cool. I'm one of those uh, people who also started, he's a great gardener started too. Uh, gardening uh, a little more during this pandemic time. So this year, uh, well, in, we're in South Florida, so we can start gardening in January, which is nice. <laughs> oh, uh, I, don't I, rub I, it I in. T- <laughs> <laughs> so I, I took a yellow pepper, uh, a green pepper that was yellow, you know, that type of pepper, not a habanero. Uh, but, and... Uh, took all the seeds and soaked them in a wet paper towel for two, three days. And then I planted them with, you know, I had used to go to Home Depot and buy the plants. And I realized, mm-hmm. well, you know, I, I spent like four five, six dollars buying the plants and I get two tomatoes. You know, that's not <laughs> <Exactly>. very, <laughs> that's, that's that's true. Worthwhile. so, so, uh, so a question I want to ask you is, uh, 
this is a, a yellow uh, pepper. Pepper, but mm -hmm. all the peppers I'm getting now are orange. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Uh, well, it sounds know, like you've got a, a it's a bell pepper. Green. Yeah, they start out green and then they turn orange, uh, which. Yeah, they, they will typically start out green, and then when they ripen, right. they will go yeah. to their their native color. But it could be, uh, Rob, that you... Now, did you plant your seed? Did you get your seed from a, a pepper that you bought at the store, as an example? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that would explain that would explain <laughs> a lot, <laughs> unless it's an organic. I mean, we're talking about GMOs. Shh. Mm. So, you know, it's not as it says on the tin when they say in the UK. It's a, it, it does what it says on the tin. It can do whatever it wants because it's actually not uh, at, at its um, it's not organic. So, no, but it's okay. Orange is good. But you know they're about half size too. Yeah, they're, they're really little. Yeah, compared to yeah. Well, so buy, here's. So. Here's my little advice there. And by the <laughs> way, thank you for being so, your ingenuity is awesome. Now, I'm going to admit, I have gone to Home Depot a lot. <laughs> and because I've been so busy, I, I haven't seeded any, well, I, I have beans I, uh, that I grow from seed that I direct sow, but I have gone to Home Depot. And you know what? They have a pretty good selection, plug for Home Depot. Yeah. But here's what I would do, uh, Rob, in the future is if you want to grow anything from seed, try to get a good quality um you know, organic as, as much as we can these days from a garden center, yeah. uh, or not a garden center, but a, maybe a place that sells produce, like mm -hmm. a farmer's market even. So whole you foods. have a I see. Yeah, Whole, whole Foods. foods those, uh, Possibly. Seeds. Yeah, that's yeah. still, you know, it's kind of still a big, you know, it's Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> so, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but good for you. I think that's great. What an inspiration. You know, look at tons of mangoes. Oh. We have yeah. three mango trees. In yeah, we're, we're more into the, the the fruit is easier in South Florida with the trees. Uh, yeah, mango, oh, yeah. Av avocados. But we lost our. We had a huge avocado tree full of avocados. Oh my gosh! And we got then we got hit by Irma. Irma, and they were flying across uh, across <laughs> the backyard into the swimming pool. There must have been fifty. Uh, uh, it was sad. avocados <laughs> in, in the in the pool. And, uh, and then the tree fell over on our neighbor's fence. Oh, my goodness. I, was, That's I had funny. to cut it down. <laughs> That's not funny. Oh, I'm so, I'm not going to say jealous, but I'm so somewhat envious of those that live in tropical climates. I was actually at a friend's last year. I had just finished speaking at Contact in the Desert out in uh, Indian Wells, California. And then a, a dear friend, I stopped off uh, at her place in Los Angeles. And she had the most amazing orange trees Ooh. All over, the, all the neighbors, oranges everywhere. Wow. And I was just so, I said, if we could only grow oranges. And then I was in Australia lecturing this past January and uh, stopped in Melbourne. There's a story behind that. And another colleague's, and she has lime trees all over oh, the place. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, my God. Now come on. Like, you know, it's like growing uh, dandelions. <laughs> it's just yeah, they're really. so prolific. It's crazy. Yeah. But. Uh, okay. The, now Alexis, I have a big question. Uh-oh. <laughs> you mentioned in this bio that you had this, uh, these extraordinary encounters that began as a child. Mm -hmm. I want to know about that. Oh, boy. Okay. okay. Talk, your, talk your heart off. Is that, what you spoke heart about? off. Is that what you spoke about in Contact in the Desert? About your... No, oh. you know the whole the me as an experiencer. We use that term very broadly these days, and I do feel myself to be one. Uh, it has not really been the focus of my work. 
I think any of us that have had any semblance of experiences more than just a notion, um, that that's how we get into this field. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm not, that's not necessarily a focus, but that being said, let me, let me give you a little backdrop first. Um, and I've said this many times on many shows, I think I came out of my mother's tummy with asking big questions. No question about that. I have always had a proclivity toward the larger picture of reality, not with answers, but with questions. Mm -hmm. I was blessed to grow up in an alternative household. Both of my parents, very left brain, dad, an MIT scientist, mom, a high school educator and later administrator. But when they took the hat off, that hat off and sat at the kitchen table, they would talk about UFOs. And huh. you know, Whitley Street, our, our buddy Whitley's book, Communion, has been on my parents' shelf for years. And the <laughs> Benny and Barney Hill and Reincarnation right. and blah, 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 you name it. And the, the real blessing, guys, is that as soon as I was old enough to uh, pull up a seat at the table, they invited me and engaged me in conversation. Uh, so, so that was nurtured in me from the beginning. Now, simultaneously, you're, you're, you're an only child. Right? I'm an only child. That's uh -huh. right. Yeah, yeah. Blessing and curse. <laughs> yes, really. But like Megan, right? Right, exactly. Right, yeah. We can bond on that later. But <laughs> and I really more blessing than anything. I'm being facetious. But simultaneously with all of uh, the discussion going on around the table, I was having experiences that I would say uh, would. Precognition, precognition was roughly the uh, what what was happening to me a lot, a lot of dream precogs. Uh, you know, someone else asked me the question, and they're like, "Well, what else?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, precognition was something that was happening to me so much that that was really consuming me, and enough for me to want to explore the idea of time, this notion of time mm -hmm. being, uh, you know, uh, linear and and perhaps not." Thought, maybe simultaneous. I mean, how is this happening that I'm able to dream about something or get a thought and have it play out in the so-called future? So that was really, I would say, the foundation of the experiences. I've had others. I'll tell you one that someone had to pull out of me because I almost forgot about it, but <laughs> my, my parents never flew ever, ever, ever. I think my dad took one flight in life when his sister really? in, in Florida, as a matter of fact, she lived in Miami when she passed away. So they never flew. Uh, we took road trips. We actually, funny enough, took the train. I believe it was a Silver Bullet Amtrak uh -huh. from Boston to Disney World. To oh, Orlando. my God. <laughs> Just so you know. So it was road trips. I don't want to digress too much. But uh, my mom, who was from Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, we would do annual trips via car to Ohio every summer. Me in the back seat, they, of course, in the front. And I will never forget one year. I do not, couldn't name the year. And I know that I wasn't a teenager at this point. So I was fairly young guys. And this, this is so hard to describe because it's still just a sort of opaque, maybe not opaque. It's a vague memory, but I believe that I witnessed what I would describe as a silver cylindrical craft that I saw out of the back of the window of my mm -hmm. parents' car. I don't recall the feeling that I had just taking notice of it. Uh, I remember as the car was moving along and it seemed like we were closer to the Ohio border. Certainly we had left the, the Northeast and we're really, you know, well along our uh -huh. way. And I remember as the car was traveling, I could first see it out of the back of the car, back window, and then I could see it along the side. And I do recall, unless I'm, you know, my mind is playing tricks on me. And it's one of these things where I think I have a bit of a screen memory because it took me mm -hmm. a long time to say, did, did, am I 
pulling an experience from someone else who did this really happen to me? I'd question this, but how how old were you? Like I said, I I can't tell you except to say I know that we moved to uh, Lexington, Massachusetts when I was 13. So it was pre 13. I do remember that. So I seven, eight, six, five, I, you know, old but enough for me to have you would know what a, you would know what a blimp looked like at, at that yeah. age. Wouldn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, no, no. This was a cylindrical. And I, as I was describing this to someone else, I'm looking at my Yeti microphone, same, similar color and a similar shape. Although mm-hmm. this, kind of like a thick, this kind of looks like a Tic Tac sound kind of familiar this was cylindrical almost like a beer can let's say uh now here's here's the the rub here i don't recall saying anything to my parents and i certainly do not recall them seeing or reacting to it Hmm. so that begs a whole nother question which gets us into this field we call ufology and looking stacking up the multitude of experiences that are out there all unique, but they're common threads that seem to run throughout. And one of those threat, one of those things is, even in the midst of being around other people, oftentimes the people in your company won't see what you see. Right. So yeah. where's the connection there? Mm-hmm. Why? Why is it? And, and was that just uh, a sighting, or was it something more? And that that will bring us to all another level. But so yeah. so there's kind of framework for you there. And I I will say that. Um, over the years, and obviously many decades later, I have used th- this act of reflection to really kind of go back in the past and try to unfurl some uh-huh. of the things that may have happened to me that may have been screened from me, just like mm-hmm. a lot of experiencers that are having recognition much later in life. Right. I'm one of those people. Hey, and well, hey, can I jump in for just a second? Because, uh, uh, Alexis, uh, something kind of interesting is I actually had a video that I'd shot on my iPhone uh, about two or three years ago of some strange lights in the sky in Mesa, uh, Arizona. And it's a great video. And, and had been and, and was working on the podcast with uh, Trish and Rob for about two and a half months before it ever even occurred to me to go back and pull that up and share it with them because mm. I had just kind of, you know, it was something that I didn't tell people about a lot mm-hmm. and I just kind of filed mm-hmm. it away and I don't know it's because you were saying you never really talked to anybody about that you know about the sighting and and it is it's kind of I don't maybe it's just that because that's not just common everyday conversation right. mm-hmm. have you, you know we should send well, it to her we'll send it yeah, to it's you it's, like impressive it's impressive oh, yeah. I'd love to see it but John I want to make a comment about that because uh, uh in terms of my not talking to anyone about this particular experience I will say, oddly enough, it wasn't because I felt inhibited about it. I'll tell you an odd thing about me. I've never been afraid to talk about my own experiences or these subjects with anyone at any time. That is something which is a little anomalous in and of itself because a lot no, of people- No, you're a Gemini. Are, that's not that's, anomalous for a Gemini. <laughs> right, okay. So, but but true. So, so my not talking about this particular experience was less about being inhibited about it, and more that it was a vague memory and nothing that I really focused on. So, uh, I do think that this um, this it seems more people, guys, the people that I have surveyed lately, are having recognition. I call it not just recognition; it's recognizing with a memory or recognizing with an event later in life. Uh, so do I don't is? know. Well, 
Let's go there. I mean, I think, and, and this is relevant to maybe where we're going to take the conversation in terms of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Big question, is the veil thinning? Are we starting to become more aligned with a larger framework of reality by virtue of the fact that the frequency may be uh, accelerating? And and I do, I'd love to talk about that maybe a sure. little bit later in terms of what's yeah. happening right now. I've been really sort of surveying and and Trish, you're the one that uh, said to me the other day when we were talking, Alexis, you have a really good uh, feel for patterns. Mm-hmm. And I never yeah, you do. that, but you're absolutely correct. I've always been sort of wired to look for patterns, mm-hmm. you know, not just in physical things, but in, in behavior. And in, I mean, I even look at patterns of birds in flight. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Because I think that they, again, nature is revelatory. If we watch nature, we have a better understanding of ourselves. We have a better understanding of the landscape, pun intended. Mm -hmm. We have a better understanding of the metaphysical world. It's a mirror, literally. So the patterns that I have been seeing in people, I I remember attending an experiencer conference here in Maine, Oh, I don't know, five, six years ago. And I could not believe the amount of older people, I'm talking 50s, 60s, 70s, who sat with me and said, Alexis, I'm just now coming into clarity that I'm an experiencer from childhood. So the question becomes, why now? And this, I don't have a definitive answer, but I... I have the sense that we've been on this trajectory of revelation about the true nature of reality uh-huh. for quite some time. And at each period, the veil is getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And I'm apt to say that that veil is just about gone right now. Wow. Well, what do you think? Is that part, is the pandemic part of this in your view? Yet another big question. And look, you can't look at any of these, you know, in a vacuum. I will say this to you. Ever since I got back from Australia, when I lectured for the second time uh, this past January, so what, Jan, Feb, Feb, March, March, April, April, Mm. five months ago, you're probably both, you're so learned in this area, uh, familiar, and I know, Trish, you are, with this big Saturn-Pluto conjunction Mm -hmm. that happened in January, specifically January 12th. Now, you know much more about this than I. I could only pick, pluck the little seeds out uh, to understand what happened. Now, my being in Australia and in Uluru specifically was to, not me personally, but the conference was built to celebrate this very rare conjunction. And Uluru, Uluru being in the outback, uh, is a very, very, it's one of the sacred hotspots of this planet. It's known as the solar Mm. plexus chakra of the Mm. planet tied with the Australian Aboriginals and directly aligned with Palladian uh, star systems. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. So it was powerful, and I was there for it. Now, without digressing too much, because it's all connected. So everyone in this space, lots of people in the consciousness space, had been anticipating, very much like 2012, a very Uh unique and a very rare uh, something that was to occur. Some people felt a portal would open. We would enter the fifth dimension, you name it, every mm-hmm. uh, euphemism you can imagine. Something big was about to happen. Now, me, as much as I am open to the metaphysical world, and this is my world, I'm still a pragmatist. I don't care how much you read, I don't care how many workshops you attend, and who told you what, unless you can experience it yourself, as far as I'm concerned, uh-huh. uh, show, show me, <laughs> essentially. So right. I to Uluru sort of with that pretense or with that idea 
let's see what happens. You know, is something going to happen on January 12th at literally 1234 there in the morning? <clears throat> point, this archetypal conjunction would occur. And I will tell you, interestingly, because there were a lot of people that attended the conference, a lot of my audience was there. It was so it was wonderful. And they're all so excited. Alexis, are you going to go to the activation ceremony at 1234? <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, because my lecture's the next day and I've got to sleep. But I said, guys, let me, let me say something to you. This is what came out of my mouth. And I don't even know where it came from. I said, I'll tell you something. I feel that something big is on the horizon, but I would not look to that moment in a, acute mm -hmm. time of 1234 on January 12th, just because the conjunctions occurred doesn't mean the effects you're going to feel. I, it's, I'm holding up my, my, my left hand, right hand, left hand. So help me. This is what I told people. And I felt this push to tell people whatever we're going to experience is going to come afterwards. It's going to take time to seed. I felt that intently. I knew something was on the horizon. I did not know what it would look like, what it would be called. Mm -hmm. And I also said, and I have a feeling it's going to be intense. That's what I said. <laughs> so much so that when I came back from Uluru, Australia, because I was in several parts of the country, in January, I don't know if you saw it, but I did a conscious commentary episode in January. And I called it the, the conjunction 2020, expect the unexpected. Uh -huh. That's how strongly I felt. So I think myself and there were other individuals that uh, you know, actually, that we work with who were feeling that something massive was on the horizon. We just didn't know what it would be. Well, now, you know, some, some astrologers were, were kind of predicting that it was going to be another terrorist attack. Right. I know. Right. But instead, we got the terrorist of the, of the virus. Right. I don't exactly. And I, that's why I say it's so, so I think it can be dangerous when you name something prediction right. and naming something is a very, very uh, fickle affair. We've got to be, mm -hmm. I try to be as open and humble about these things. I knew I was getting this feeling intensely. I didn't try to label it and I wasn't expecting, that's why I say expect the unexpected, just something energetically. I'm an empath. Uh, it's so, like, uh, so it's like describing, uh, people who are re remote viewing, if they use their uh, conscious minds and describe to say what they think it is, rather than just describe what uh -huh. they're seeing, exactly. uh, they're often wrong. <laughs> just like dreaming, there's such a symbolic significance. And this is, this is a really, really fine art that I tried to practice for lifetimes, especially being such a precog, having dreams that are precognitive, oftentimes the the dream uh, that I have will give me the gist of the event or whatever's uh -huh. to take place, but it won't be the actual thing. Right. Uh, so I, I try to be very, very careful there. But I do think that, long answer to your short question, guys, I feel that we're going through, I call this the paradox of reality. This is both madness and magic boiled <laughs> or rolled up into one. I always say the magic exists within the madness, the crystal within the crisis, the uh -huh. diamond within the dust. We're going through madness, crisis, and dust. But metaphysically speaking, I feel this was ordered. I, I, I pause there. I want to be so careful with the words I use. Some feel that we, on some unconscious level, may have seeded this tumult as a means by which to get through it as stronger and more empowered. We've forgotten who we are. Right. We've forgotten how powerful we are. 
And I always say, regardless of what the 3D uh, left brain thing is, this virus, this, and, and even some of the shenanigans, I know this isn't a conspiracy show, but there are a lot of questions that I and others have about what's really going on here. Let's leave that aside. None of that really matters. Universe to me is always in charge, even if that thing that we're being dealt is as ugly as can be. There's uh -huh. a reason why we're meant to experience it. There are going to be some people that are going to look at it as doomsday and it, you know, wor the world has ended. And others are going to look at it like myself as, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Well, what an amazing. The, it could be the beginning of a paradigm shift. That's oh, it is. Yeah. I have no question about that. I think we're in the midst of this shift. I mean, Trish, you and I talked about, I think right. I shared with you uh, my this sense I had about are entering this sort of uh, dimensional doorway or mm -hmm. feeling as if the planet had been moved. Remember right. I told you that? Right. You know what's interesting, too, is two days before that Saturn-Pluto conjunction, there was an eclipse on January 10th. And on January 11th was when uh, the Chinese released the DNA sequencing of this virus. So... Mm -hmm. You know, so that was like January 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, and, and here we are. <laughs> here we are. Here yeah. we are. Yeah. So again, you know, you're, you're juxtaposing or you're comparing, you know, man-made or, you know, mm -hmm. something that is of earth versus something that is in the exoteric world versus something that's in the esoteric. Uh -huh. I've always felt that it is the esoteric that undergirds all of physical mm -hmm. reality without exception. And if that's the case, and this is a metaphysical event, this is a metaphysical right. event. Yeah. I mean, it's physical in the sense that people, that it's a disease. It's a play out. It's an illness. All, yeah. The whole thing. Uh, yeah. What you mentioned about the particular time and date of that, you weren't really seeing that something was happen would happen right then, but it was just yeah, like a seeding, <laughs> right? Uh, we can also go back to the end of the Mayan calendar, uh, December, what was it? December, 21st. 21st. Uh, 2012. You know, there were people saying that the world was going to end, you know, I'm into this stuff, Trisha, into this stuff. And we, we we knew a little more than that, that the, it's the end of the ca uh, fourth calendar of the Mayans, and then the fifth begins, you know? So it's just mm. uh, a change. Uh, but surprisingly, it's been a not the greatest change <laughs> that in the yeah. since 2012, you know? I think things some things happened that uh, were... Things were slowed down, yeah, uh, and maybe now things are getting back on track because there's a lot of changes going on right now. It's a but conundrum, guys, and that's that's why I say it's a paradox. I love the quote by F. Scott Fitzgerald that says, "The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas mm -hmm. in mind at the same right. time and still retain the ability to function." And that's why I say it's always been my favorite quote. The reality has this this absolutely uh, uh, crazy paradox to it. Mm -hmm. This is a bad, this is, yes, this is nasty stuff. This is ugly, whether you're talking about the virus or how our lives have been edited drastically because of it. I or these tell protests, you, I, even. All of it, top. all mm -hmm. of it is connected. The ugly is showing itself like never before. The beauty of people is coming out like never before. It's dichotomous. And yet, I think if you look historically, guys, you see that pattern. There's something about the way we work here on, on the 3D level that we've got to go through the madness before we discover the magic. And we have a choice to discover it. Or mm -hmm. we can wallow in sadness and be mad. <laughs> it's our choice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting. 
Oh boy! <laughs> well, before before we jump into any, into anything else, what what is it that is you you said earlier that we've uh, that we've forgotten forgotten where we come from or forgotten you know wh- what's what's distracting us <laughs> what's causing oh, why why now why I mean and and, and I hate to ask this I hate to I hate <clears throat> to append this to the question but is it technology that's distracting us is it John, I think it's so imperative before I even answer the question that we try our, but this is important, that we try our best when you ask a question, and I, I mean this with, in the most sincere way, try not to ask in a vacuum. It's not this or that. It's this and that, and, mm-hmm. and, and. When you look at the history of our species, and I don't know, I'm not, this is not, I'm speaking out of school in terms of how old we are, and that's still up for grabs as to how old Homo sapiens sapiens are. But when you think of the levels upon levels upon levels of, uh, of the material world that has imposed itself on us, all the way up to this uh, age of technology and AI that we live in, there are numerous uh, reasons why we've left our indigenous roots and our real, you know, co- our consciousness self. Uh, so we, we've got to be so careful. I mean, there's so many factors. There's cultural factors. There's religious factors. Uh, you know, those that have taught us that we are just flesh and flesh and bones. I mean, the, mat- the materialist paradigm, Darwinian theory, teaching, <clears throat> programming throughout generations. All of this has done nothing but really stymied our potential. Um, but this, we're talking about a cumulative effect over millions of years. And yes, here we are in this age of technology that's taken us one, one giant step away from discovering who we are. And my contention is that perhaps universe is rather than just revealing, oh, you're this is who you really are in a, in a beautiful way, it's kick. Can I swear? Sure, of course. <laughs> it's kicking our asses. It's kicking our asses with something that's called, as an example, coronavirus. Something that's called, for example, racial injustice. Something that's called, for example, uh, sexual abuse. Something ad infinitum. Our reality looks like insanity. Here, here's a here's a great way to sum it up. You, I know you're familiar with the wonderful work of physicist Tom Campbell, who wrote My Big Toe, My Big Theory of Everything. I was having a conversation with Linda Moulton Howe one day, and she's the one that told me that this is what he said about entropy. He feels that this reality and why it's so painful is that this is an entropy reduction trainer for souls, meaning that it's got to get difficult and you've got to pass that training before you can graduate and remember. I like that word, Mm re-member, to rejoin the, the fact or, or un, understand that we are none of all of these things that we have been taught. We've got to unpeel all of these layers. Yeah. We've been traumatized collectively over mil, millennia. And so that pain is going to, um, I, I, you opened up a can of worms. Now. I, can, <laughs> I can talk about this or let, let me just say this and then I'm going to quiet and let you ask me another question. But here's an example. Trish, you can appreciate this. Trish knows that I have, for some reason lately, been wanting to learn the tarot and oracle cards. And Trish, do you know that I just bought two additional, I have three, uh, three decks now. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm so excited. Did, did you talk- get the tarot of the cloisters? The round deck? Uh, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll tell you later. I don't even okay. remember. I, I know I got the the weight. The, uh, the, the rider the, weight. The Smith rider weight. Rider weight, yes. Yeah. Now, 
for my conscious commentary live that I just debuted Friday, something told me to pull an Oracle card. Now I had all of my notes and what I wanted to talk about with, with the audience, but I said, if there's anything else that you need me to emphasize in this particular episode, I'm going to pull a card. Let me know. Now I pulled a card from a deck and I'm going to give Sonia Grace a plug for her uh, great deck, uh, uh, Odin in the nine realms Oracle. It's a beautiful deck. And she had given me one because I did a show with her on it. I pulled a card from that deck and the card it's based on Norse Norse mythology. Right. And the card that I pulled was called ear or air spelled I E R. And essentially air was a God, a Norse God that represented healing. Essentially the card means healing. Mm. And I said, Oh my God, that's perfect. We need to heal. Okay. We've heard that before. We're a bruised, fractured society. A lot of people feel that way. I do. I feel as well. But how can we heal until and unless we fully understand that we're in pain? Could it be That's that one, point. one one of the myriad questions I would ask, one of the many questions about what this is, this pandemic as an example that we're going through represents, remember, this is pain beyond, nobody can refute the fact that this has been a painful experience. Uh-huh. Could this be universe's way of putting something acute and distinct so that we can identify that we're in pain, then Hmm. we can heal. Now, healing, when I pulled that card, I didn't think it was pertaining to healing from the pandemic. I thought healing from eons of pain, but I think we're in denial. This pandemic represents, you cannot be in denial. You're in pain. So now you can heal. And that's what I talked about on the show Friday. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to have to watch that show. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and it is a shared experience, unlike anything. I mean, it's that's a collective one thing, It's one thing sure. for the for a for a country or uh, you know a region to go through something, but this is worldwide. It's which, global. Yeah, right. we, it's been a while since we had a global event quite like this, Absolutely. and uh, and then you know the, and not to not to and not necessarily do. Derail the conversation back into the the, the question. It's a long, uh, kind of a ways back for the follow up, but 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 I mean it. The 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 thing. I mean, we were talking about like ten thousand years that 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 the you know potentially by some accounts ten thousand years that human beings have been around as we see ourselves now on this mm-hmm. planet, and just one hundred and fifty years ago we were sitting around in the dark, and now global, <laughs> you know. Global, uh, you know, a global communications network, access to more information than we've ever had before. Uh-huh. And maybe that's why we needed a global event to actually, you know, just to focus, focus, mm-hmm. you know, everybody. But, all right. Yeah, that's a good, that's, that that's, could that's be a good way of one, looking of, at it. one of the spokes in the wheel, guys. Again, mm-hmm. I'm going to reiterate, it's not this or that, it's this it's and that. Uh-huh. It's all of the above, perhaps. We have to start thinking in multiples. I think that's one of the things universe is trying to get us to do. It's a very difficult thing to do. We live in a a, a very, uh, uh, well, this or that society. You uh-huh. know, it's polarized. It's 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 either one or the other. You can't have both. Well, I disagree. I think yeah. it, it may, John, be exactly what you're saying, but I think there are probably a dozen other things that have equal value. The why, when you're searching for the answer to a question, think in multiples, think in multiples, Mm -hmm. think, let's go back to nature. 
when, let's see if I can, I don't want to dig a hole for myself that I can't get out of, but let's think about, let's go back to a plant. It doesn't just give you fruit. It gives you leaves, gives you flower, gives mm. you roots. It's not this or that, it's all of the above. And you've got to, and you can participate in all of that. And you need to understand all of that. Uh -huh. So when we ask why something is happening, don't think in terms of one answer. Think that th there are coexisting reasons for everything happening. Yeah. In your book, uh, Conscious Musings, you this kind of relates to that. You talk about how our consciousness is both connected with the cosmos, but also grounded in ego awareness or individualism. Uh, can you mm -hmm. expand on that? Absolutely. I um, I don't know what chapter that came from, but that, <clears throat> that's a philosophy that I've had. I'm going to go back to nature again. So funny you should mention <laughs> that. That, what, that was a great one. I'll tell you a little story about one of the, 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 the lessons that I learned that came from one year, many years ago, looking out my picture window uh, at the trees. I absolutely love the trees. And yes, I do talk to them because I feel they are <laughs> conscious and wise. Mm -hmm. And I take that seriously. And so one day I'm sitting on my couch looking out at the beautiful wood, woodland landscape beyond. And I don't know whether I verbally said this or just thought this, but I said, how who are you talking to the trees? How do you work? And here's the notion. Obviously, it didn't talk to me, but talk back to me in yes, this way. It but it, it, well, it, it, it sent me a download. Okay. It said, they said, he, she said, our branches, our treetops go up into the heavens and our roots go deep into the core of the earth. Mm -hmm. This is how we bridge heaven and earth. We are mm. in our treetops, because the trees in, in our uh, backyard are very, very tall, many of them. And I don't know, that I, somehow this is related. I, I think I'm go, going off course a little bit. You're <laughs> talking about merging the individual and the collective or, or having really having our branches in both um, right. as, as individuals and as a collective. Well, that helped me kind of understand that, okay, here's here's an even better example. Let's talk about our favorite David Bohm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and this is a quote. This is a quote that always had an impression on me, and I don't know if I'm saying it exactly the way he said it, but essentially he said, "We are like whirlpools in a stream. We have identity. We just don't have distinct borders." Uh -huh. Therefore, I've never resonated with this idea of we are all one. I think that's kind of a new agey notion. I don't feel that we are all one, but I do feel we're all connected. Yeah. We need to honor our individuality and still work together and, you know, celebrating our individuality and celebrating the fact that we can be community, celebrating the fact that there are no borders, but we're distinct. And mm -hmm. I think part of the misunderstanding or maybe even the message that uh, someone out there is trying to get out is they want us to think is one and move is one as a hive mentality. And I am totally against that. Yeah, I'm totally against to the hive. <laughs> absolutely. Celebrate our individuality and yet work together. So I think that's where it was coming from. Now, I know that tree so, thing related yeah. somehow, but... Well, that tree yeah. thing is so much like Middle Earth and the Ents, the Tolkien. Mm. You know, absolutely. They were conscious and they talked and... <laughs> yeah. So, let me let my cat in. So, Alexis, so where does non-duality and the fifth dimension, the 5D, where does that fit into your thinking? I'm trying to think of how I how to take your question. 
non-duality. So, well, you know, yeah, if you could phrase it maybe a little bit differently, right. I know both so, terms. So, duality but. is where you know we we have two sides to every issue. Uh, oh, we're, sorry, but we have yeah. multiple sides, really. Uh, yeah. that's what... But then we're all, in a sense, uh, the non-duality sense is that we're we're we are all connected, and that the other side is you know, just a part of who we are, as well as our own side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we hear the <clears throat> the term all the time that we're multidimensional. Again, you know, duality, I think that may even go back to something what I had said to John in terms of it's not this or that, it's this and that. We think yeah. in terms of duality. 3D is a dual, you know, we're, we're, we're living in black and white, yin and yang, up, down, here, there, healthy, sick, good, bad. Right. And yet uh, it's really only our perspective on any one of those things that makes it so, like Shakespeare said, there's nothing good or bad except right. thinking makes it so. Right. So, so, so the, the, yeah, uh, the, just put this in. Uh, the, so the demonstrations are a very strong example of duality, mm-hmm. non-duality. But uh, <laughs> the non-duality picture is the the cops and the the protesters are one. It's That's all part, right. part of a larger yeah. picture. Yeah, yeah. That I, I know that there have been there quite a few stations of, yeah. of the same. There, thing. there have been quite a few images on the news of. Uh, of um, the police or National Guard in some cases, and the protesters doing, you know, line dancing together or taking a knee right, together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would, that, you know, that uh, would again, be, that would be the non-duality. That would be the non-duality, of course, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That that to me is ideal. If that's a very, if that's a real image. Now we're getting a little sliding into the political, which I tend to shun away from, just so you know. <laughs> but I think it's still a great image to hold. Um, and maybe this is part of the package of what universe is trying to show us to blur those lines of bifurcation. I'm absolutely all uh-huh. for non-duality. I, I don't know that I use that term as much as multi-dimensionality, uh, because we are uh, multiple aspects, multiple facets on a diamond. And uh, again, goes back to Seth. Goes back to Seth, and I'm going to yeah. go back to David Baum. Think of right. a body of water with a million whirlpools, little ones, big ones, middle. You know, and they work cohesively, but you can identify each and every one as an individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're working together. That's non-duality. I'm all for right. it. I'm all for it. Well, you know, David Bohm is the one too who, for me, really helped define what synchronicity is. You know, when he talked about the implicate and the explicate order, yeah. And, yeah. and that synchronicity, I think, is is what exists along the border between those two. So it's our most direct contact with that implicate order. Absolutely. Yeah, I love I love that implicate and explicate. And it's very quantum in the implications because really they're fundamentally the same thing. They're just yeah, in right. different states of being. Yeah. The wave and the particle, same thing. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing, which does, you know, there's a conundrum there because what it really kind of intimates is that it is only the one just in different uh, states of being. Yeah. Yeah. And then you bring in the observer. Now we're getting into quantum physics, which is yes. definitely not my bailiwick. I, I'm a fan of it, but it's not something that I'm too well educated in. But yeah, I, I think all of this is perennial wisdom. And I think getting back to the remembering who we are, at one point in our history, 
God only knows when. Maybe we knew this. And could it be that universe is trying to get us back to remembering? We screwed it up if we did. <laughs> if I we don't knew know. This. I like to be the glass half full and say, let's, maybe we will. <laughs> maybe some of us will. That's the other thing. It's not all for one and one for all. I know that's a no. very popular thing. Maybe not all of us are meant to get it, at least in this incarnation. Maybe that's okay. Oh, there's so, there's definitely there's definitely some civil some civiliza- civilizations in the in, that we can look at what's left of them that would suggest that they had a little bit potentially a little bit better idea of what's going on than mm-hmm. and and that information is it was lost you know so mm-hmm. so yeah I mean it's uh, yeah but but that's but the the whole idea about uh, it's not it's not a, a one or a zero. Absolutely. I mean, that's then right. that's what makes a lot of topics such minefields is because there's and and maybe a problem we're dealing right with right now is that it's there's there's not a straight up right or wrong. There's perspective and and that's uh, right. nuances. Which is also very Sethian, by the way, in his probable realities. That's yeah. a you know, an excellent example. Yeah. And again, I'm gonna throw something else in guys that I talk about all the time and I, I, I think it could, stands to be repeated and that has to do with us bless our hearts uh, as human beings we want answers we want pat answers we want definitive answers and we just can't reality has a mysterious dimension to it in fact all of it is to me and fascinating and elegant and and we are not going to be able to understand and certainly not put it in words in the way that we on our terms so i say that if we dare explore the true nature of reality uh Humility is a universal mandate. Mm-hmm. Be okay with not knowing. Keep that investigation owing, but uh, going, but don't necessarily make the the a definitive answer your be all end all. It's my way or the highway type of thing. And yeah. I'm just saying that broadly. I, I think us humans want that. We want an answer. I I don't know that there is any one answer. It's an it's Even an observation mm. and a yeah, humility. Right. Humility is. Key, key, key. And saying, I don't know. Yeah. And maybe the universe will meet us halfway and start to open the door and show us. Well, and I think that's of, what synchronicity yeah. does, too. I'm sorry, John. Go ahead. Oh, well, no, I was just going to say, because a lot of a lot of uh, truth is personal. You know, it, mm. nobody's lived your life. It, you know, Subjective. You, that's right. So. Yeah. And yet there are fundamental, you know, fundamental truths, I suppose. Sure. You know, but uh, yeah, yeah it's fascinating that's what we need the scientists for, but, but yeah, but but nobody has your exact perspective, I guess. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Al- again, we're go ahead, Rob. I'm sorry. Yeah, Alexis, I'm sure you're aware of Esther Hicks, who channels Abraham. Of course. And so we're looking at the demonstrations. What Abraham would say is that if you're out there demonstrating, you're reinforcing what you're against. Absolutely. Uh, so I agree. But there's. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Sometimes I do, but sometimes I think you got to be out there too and make your point, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of both. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I, it's time I'm going to I'm, I'm going to agree with that. Somebody said something I saw in a, a social media post not so long ago having to do with the chanting of I can't breathe and doing uh-huh. these die-ins, and they said something to the effect of, when you continue to reiterate these things, you're manifesting and you're manifesting them in your physical world. I agree. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. we're we're kind of going over that. We're, 
you want to bring me in, into that political realm. I really don't want to go there. I'll be trying to, <laughs> well, that's too bad. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. because I've got some, I've got some very, very uh, distinct ideas about what might be going on with these demonstrations. But it, if you'll please pardon me, I, I just, I'm not going to take it there today. <laughs> but, that's an but from the perspective, the Rob, yeah. But from the perspective that you're talking about, Rob, I'm going to agree with with uh, Hicks on that. How do you define synchronicity? You know, I mean, of course, we would go to our father, uh, C.G. Young, right. uh, in terms of meaningful coincidence. And yet, here's something, guys. And I, I'm going to put on the record, you know what I call you, right? Both of you, the dynamic duo of synchronicity. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here. You, you guys are the experts. But I will say this to you. In recent years, and I'll, I'll never forget a conversation. I was actually on a Rosemary Lynn Guiley, who we lost uh, about a year oh, ago. Yeah, she, she was a dear friend of mine I've known since the 90s. And I was, um, interestingly, the last guest on her show that she had on another network. Mm-hmm. Um, and our the conversation was about not only synchronicity, but precognition. Mm-hmm. And in that conversation, I recall saying to her, as I have looked at my own synchronicity experiences, a couple I can tell you about, and juxtapose them with some of the precognitive, uh, the framework for precognition, I would dare say that there is a blurred line between where is the pre- where does it uh, what's the difference between a precognition and a synchronicity in some cases? Let me give you an example. Well, you know, uh, Jung, uh, one of the things that Jung, for Jung, was that things like precognition, telepathy, it all falls under the umbrella of synchronicity. Right, yeah, so they can be both, you know? <laughs> yeah. It can be both. Well, this is yeah. the example I was going to give you that yeah. Jung obviously talked about so often, not Jung, but this is a classic example, that you're thinking of a friend that you haven't right. seen for a while, and invariably the friend will either call or mm. these days text you. So the question becomes, Are have we tapped into the ether and tapped, jumped into the so-called future by having that thought as a precog mm-hmm. that then played out as uh, uh, the person calling, which right. you could call a synchronicity. So at some point, precogs and syncs can intersect. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Exactly. And it could also be telepathy, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, so that's right. There you go. Blurred lines. You can't, there's no yeah. distinction there, right? right. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, all it's not one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> it's all auspices of ESP, frankly. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, and as I've had so many hundreds upon hundreds, in fact, I'll tell you about one I had this morning, if you want to hear it, but yes. uh, over the years, I have asked myself that question uh, over and over again. Well, what are we talking about? I think what it really comes down to is how important is the label anyway? We're so caught up on labels. It was an event that was uh, not of the five physical senses. Uh-huh. That's what I was calling it. So what happened? So this morning, and they've been happening a lot lately, guys. I'm calling them synchronicity clusters. But this morning I wake up, I get my coffee. Over the weekends I treat myself to cappuccinos in my espresso machine. So I had my (laughs) cappuccino. And I'm going through email like I typically do, which I'm trying not to do first thing in the morning, but I do. And I get this email about 6 o'clock, 6.15 a.m. this morning from a listener or one of somebody from my audience, I suppose, that was commenting on a post that I made who said, when are you coming to New Zealand? Question. Oh, wow. Oh. I said, hold on, hold on. That's not, that's not the thing. Go I'm going. <laughs> next, the very next email 
which came in, they were both there when I opened my email. Right next to it was the an email or a, a newsletter from the crew in Australia where I spoke in January. And there's an image of the two conference producers kind of waving, saying, come on, New Zealand and Australia are neighbors. So <laughs> this email from the man that said, when are you coming to New Zealand, was right next to another email from the folks in Australia hmm. saying, come on. I mean, that's your invitation, Alexa. But that's a synchronicity. That sure to me, that's an absolute synchronicity. Uh-huh. I have a couple more if you want. Now, you had asked me before, what, what are the two most, I'm, I'm not going to take your question away from you. But no, I want to tell the most powerful synchros you've had, if you can. I had to think about them because I've had so many, but I'll tell you two that really stand out for me. I'm very powerful. One of them has to do with, this is several years ago, where I was thinking about a childhood friend. When I say childhood, I had not seen this now woman, obviously, but I hadn't seen this person probably since we were about eight, nine, maybe 10 years mm-hmm. old, max. So we're talking decades ago. Out of the blue, she popped into my mind. Now I say out of the blue, and I'm stressing that because again, what I'm about to tell you is a precog or synchronicity. Right. The blue. Again, I have to emphasize, I hadn't seen her for probably 50 years, half a century. The next day, I went to a local store, and who do you think I saw? (laughs) (laughs) And did she recognize you? We recognized. I I looked at her, and I said, I'm going to call her Lisa. That's not her name. I said, Lisa? She said, and I'll I'll tell you a little secret. My first name is Enid, E-N-I-D. My middle name is Alexis. Okay. She knew me as Enid. I haven't gone by Enid for... I mean, if if you call me Enid, you're either a relative or someone I knew when I was a kid. (laughs) Enid, is that you? I said, oh, my God, Lisa. Yeah, the next day. I hadn't seen her for 50 years. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to go into the details. Have you ever looked her up or anything? Say again? Have you ever looked her up, Googled her to find out where she lived? Nope. Hmm. I said she hadn't even crossed my mind. And for some reason, she popped... She popped into my mind, and I'm not going to go into it because it's it's very personal and it's and it's a bit uh, unpleasant. I, I've had questions <laughs> about her background uh-huh. in the past and some of the things that she might have gone through, and something caused me to just my mind to wander, and and I wondered if she was okay. I, I got mm. the feeling she might have gone through some very difficult things as a child, and uh, that I think is what brought. I don't know how she came into my mind, but she did. The very next day, I ran into her. Mm. And do you know that two weeks after, and found out that she lived 10 minutes from me. And oh, we that knew, is weird. When we knew each other as kids, we lived in Boston. We lived we lived in Boston proper. Uh-huh. Uh, so that, to me, had to be the most powerful one. But again, it begs the question, was that a precognition of my having a thought of her and then invariably seeing her? Was it a synchronicity or was it both? Well, I think it's both. Yeah, some you know, just your your story just reminds me of one that I had recently, and it uh, I guess it kind of passed by me, and now but now your story just uh, uh, made it come to life. Uh, uh, about three, four, I guess about a month or so ago, we had uh, a a Zoom meditation on the crystal, the Mitchell Hedges crystal skull, mm. and we had about uh, 20, 25 people that joined us, and. 
One of the people that I invited was a woman that lives around here in the, the same town, but I haven't seen her for years. I used to... Uh, oh, right, the bike ride. Yeah, right, yeah. I used to see her, you know, for yoga all the time. She was a yoga teacher. I was a yoga teacher. and But then for years, we hadn't seen each other. And she asked me, uh, she wrote me, I, she said she wanted to come on uh, for the meditation, but she had a question. She, I can't remember what the question was, and I was going to get, answer her. And Trisha and I went out probably a couple of hours later on a bike ride uh, through the neighborhood nearby. And I look, and there she is walking out of this house. Now, mm. she doesn't live in that house, but she, she is uh, was tutor. tu tutoring uh, a high school student there in a very nice house. She says, oh, you see my new house. <laughs> just making Isn't a that and, and so I just answered her question. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. Are you all finding that your instances of synchronicity are even more uh, yes. uh, common now? Yeah, because when you when you think about synchronicity and write about it, talk about it, they they seem to happen more often. You just become, yeah. become used to that before, Rob. I recall. Yeah, yeah. Well, if anyone can distill and understand and explore it, uh, there's no two like you that can do it. So. <laughs> We Let me just. Oh, how blessed you are to have each other to talk to like that. That's great. That's great. If I can, may I? I know that I'm not going to steal this conversation away from you, but I want to take this opportunity to speak to your audience about how I think of the two of you. You are just. I have never seen two people more dedicated to something that is so otherwise elusive and yet important. This is why we're doing this work. And I just admire both of you deeply. I just want you to know that. Well, it's mutual. And uh, <laughs> thank you. But, uh, and uh, having the honor of uh, recording, recently narrating your book, Phenomena, really gave me an insight into the talent that you both wield in this, as writers, as researchers. I Really, I was touched. I was just oh, well, thank you. so impressed. So I wanted to just say that. Sweet. I'm honored to, uh, to to work with you. One of the things you mentioned about that book was that, wow, Megan is your daughter. Megan is really central to everything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Which did a great. So way. true. So many, so many synchronicities have revolved around her or have been shared with her. You know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah and it's uh, for us uh, in our senior age group. It gives us a chance to be around people who are, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties. You know, and uh, that, that that's a nice experience because you know we, we we're we're several decades beyond that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but they're all fascinating uh, people, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. It's and they're excellent. all learning about synchronicity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, have have you been surveying? I'm sure you have the people that follow your uh, Synchro Secrets blog and others of in the last several months. Uh, sync episodes going up, like I have from your, you know, people that you're in touch with? Have you been hearing, I'm having more synchronicities lately? I've been as, hearing as well as uh, other people who, who have a lot of questions about, okay, when's the next retrograde coming up? What, what's this lunar eclipse mean? What's the solar eclipse mean? Should, is this a good time for me to go to the dentist or to have surgery, you know, stuff like that? Yeah, we hear from people who have these planetary empath experiences where yeah. they... Uh, see, foresee, uh, have physical symptoms, symptoms that, are, and they, they predict that something is going to happen, but it's really hard to pinpoint it. And uh, 
over and He's over. He's talking about with the planet, like with a the catastrophe, catastrophe or, or like mm-hmm. a, a human catastrophe of some sort. Yeah, yeah. a terrorist attack or uh, earthquake, earthquake volcano, uh, and uh, and they can distinguish these ex- uh, physical experiences from uh, separate from having uh, some illness or disease. But you've had this, Alexis. You that ringing in your ears that you were talking about. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, this is. Okay. You've had a constellation. So that that's a planetary impact symptoms. But for what? No, I don't know. She's that's it's her symptom. Yeah. Right. We've been ex- we've been exploring uh, this this idea of what I'm describing as white noise in both ears. This is very different than tinnitus in terms of what t- tinnitus typically is described as. And I, although I have not come to a definitive decision on what it is, because again, humility, I have no idea whether, are, are we talking about being bombarded with, uh, uh, you know, electromagnetic frequencies of which we are bathed in constantly? Are we talking about perhaps a fluctuation in our energetic field planetarily? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about a confluence of both? Uh, I have, you know, deferred to uh, some others in our field and consciousness researchers, uh, as well as uh, shamanic practitioners alike that feel Uh that may have something to do with this exponential acceleration of frequency of the planet. And I've also looked at the Schumann resonance, which is well known to researchers who are looking at our magnetosphere and um, what I like to call the heartbeat of our planet, uh, which exists, you know, and, and typically mm-hmm. that heartbeat back in the day would pretty much stay at about 7.8 to 8 hertz. Uh, but these wild fluctuations in that hertz frequency have been happening for years. And uh, because I feel that we, as our avatars, you could say, are sort of wired to resonate and, and be in balance with the earth frequency, if it's fluctuating, uh, wildly these days, it's no surprise that we may be feeling the effects of that as right. well. So I looked into that as possible mm. impetus for for the buzzing in the ears. But frankly, I don't know. All I know is a lot of my listeners and viewers are describing the same thing and at about the same time period, which was about when this pandemic started. Yeah. yeah. We hear our cat meowing. And, <laughs> That's uh, our I think, cat. I think that means uh, the hour is up. <laughs> question for you about Yuri Geller. We're going to have to have you back on, Alexis. I still have many questions. Oh my gosh, it's always so much fun to talk to you, so thank you so much for having well, me. Thank you for coming so, on. So how can people contact you or uh, find out more about you and uh, tune in to you? I think the easiest thing is to go to my home online, which is simply Higher Journeys, one word, higherjourneys.com. And you can plug in all the social media and everything else there, higherjourneys.com. The show's, uh, well, I got three, I've got two, three now. <laughs> higherjourneys.com. I'm not going to confuse people. If you go there, you'll find everything there. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Oh, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you made you my very, Sunday. Yeah, thank you very much, Lexus. Great Me uh, too. Get out and do some gardening, everybody, and go yeah, out right. and grow those peppers. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to text you because I've got a couple of, we were going to talk about something, but let's. I'll text you. (laughs) Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Thanks again. Okay. God bless. Take care. I know. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Mystical Underground. Listen to the podcast at www.themysticalunderground.com. 
Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Visit the blog, blog.synchrosecrets.com. Visit the book site, phenomena111.com. Send us email, podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. Uh, I don't know. This will... I'll tell you, though, it was nice going out to a restaurant and sitting on a porch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, something so common, you know. And then, of course, at Megan's, we always, she always says, okay, what movie are we going to watch tonight? So we watched a bunch of movies. <laughs> cool. <laughs> what Off the comfort of the living room. What, right. What, Joe? Any, what, what, well, uh, we saw. What we yeah. saw? We saw, the, the, you know, Lady Bird. I, oh, yeah. I, I thought it was about Lady Bird Johnson. It's got nothing to do with Lady Bird Johnson at all. You know? <laughs> and then Megan never heard of Lady Bird Johnson. Oh, so no. she looked it up and uh, she said, oh, there's all kinds of people who thought this was about Lady Bird Johnson. <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> yeah, and then we watched Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, that oh, was, my God. wow. Yeah, that was, a, you know, a lot. Jodie Foster looked like a teenager. Yeah. Right. Right.